Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Apple Fusion knocking. Shout out. Keep rocking. D-Money Midwest. Let's go. How they go to Chicago. Every third Saturday, when my DJ they turn me on to good good music. So this one day I day down, I try to keep my head down low. But the harder I try, so the more of the artists sing. They like to shine out they got me done do um. They don't be quenched um. They don't stop Business Tax 
Boot Camp on Wednesday, March 30th at 449 East 35th Street from 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. Call today, 773-383-1274 to reserve your seat. Spaces are limited. That's Wednesday, March 30th, 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. at 449 East 35th Street. To RSVP for this free small business tax boot camp, call today. This is a community collaboration between the Monroe Foundation, Black Wall Street Chicago, and H&R Block, supported by Citibank. We want to welcome you back to Black Wall Street USA. This is Thursday, March 17, 2011. I'm Sonia Cassandra Purdue, founder of CBBN, author of Black America, Asking Ourselves the Tough Questions, Book 1, 2010, and your co-host for this evening's show. Our host, Mr. Ron Carter, chairman of Black Wall Street Chicago and publisher of the South Street Journal, will be joining us shortly. If you're interested in being a guest on an upcoming show, give us a call, 312-239-8835. Ron Carter's direct number is 312-624-8351. Join us every Thursday evening right here for Black Wall Street USA. We're here from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. on Thursday evening, and we've been here over a year. Where have you been we want you to be here with us on Thursdays to be a part of sustaining and increasing black businesses across the country. This show has a national focus. We will reach out to organizations and individuals across the nation in our efforts to connect the dots, the spiritual dots of our people across this land. We will bring forth ideas and agendas that are already in place, and we will let the nation know what works in our communities. Our ongoing question for this year is, what did Black America accomplish in 2010? And what is the number one priority for our communities in 2011? We will be asking our guests for the evening that question. And as we come to the end of the year, we want to be able to look back and reflect on their answers collectively. Black Wall Street member Miss Arnita will be joining us this evening. Miss Arnita has her own show, radio show, and she's going to tell us a little bit about that. Uh, she's also involved in Excellent Services Training and Development, the RTW Veterans Center. She's very involved with veterans' issues and concerns, and so she's going to tell us a little bit about that. She's also a part of American Farmers Distribution Company. I'm not sure what that is, but it sounds interesting. 
and she's also a part of the MAVA Auxiliary, and that's just to name a few of the things that she's involved in. Uh, This evening, she's going to be putting on her construction hat, her construction industry hat, and her and Ron Carter will be talking about parity in regards to construction contracts. I put on Facebook, uh, are we getting the construction jobs? Our fair share of it, call us at 347-326-9477. Mr. Shaka Barak, president of the Marcus Garvey Institute, was our guest last week, and uh, quite a a great show, great show. Uh, The national president, Michael Carter, joined us on that show. You can listen to that show in our archives at www.blogtalkradio.com slash cbbn. As a matter of fact, you can listen to all of our shows. And a few weeks ago, we did some special jobs broadcasts, and you can listen to to those in our archives as well. Black Wall Street USA is the official broadcast of Black Wall Street National, thanks to the support of our national office. Also, you should visit the national website not only to listen to our show but for information on the upcoming second National Black Wall Street National Convention in Gary, Indiana. I see they put the slogans out there for that, and they look great, uh, Black Wall Street National. You can visit their link, blackwallstreetdistrict.com. That's blackwallstreetdistrict.com. You may also listen to a rebroadcast of this show at www.wjpcchicago.com wjpcchicago.com and uh, listen to WJPC through the week. The music is great. I was working last night and I listened to it for a couple of hours. Their stepper set sounds great. We want to send our thanks out to Antonio Chappelle for his support of our show and our efforts. Our caller number is 347-326-9477. Our caller number is 347-326-9477. And, yes, the chat room is open. Leave your company information, website links, questions, comments, whatever it is in the chat room. We want to hear from you. If you want to join us on the air to speak to our host, our guest, you have a question or comment, press the number 1. That will signal signal to me that you want to come on the air. I'll say the last four digits and the area code uh, of your phone number, and I'll say you're on the air with Black Wall Street USA. We don't want to surprise anyone. We'll bring you on the air. That's how you know that you're next. Before we bring the chairman online, let's talk about a a few upcoming events supported by and co-sponsored by Black Wall Street and CBBN. There's a lot of things happening and a lot of things happening fast, and uh, I'm going to give you the gist of this, but Mr. Carter is going to go into the details. May, March 18th, I'm already in May. March 18th, Black Wall Street Chicago will be hosting its reception and fundraiser leading up to the Black Wall Street Chicago Economic Summit 15. They've done 15 of these people. On Saturday, March 26, 2011, will be summit number 15. The keynote speaker will be Mr. Kenneth Lewis Sr., the legendary entrepreneur of Kenny's Ribs and Chicken. You've had those. You know who he is. The reception will be from 6 p.m. to 9 p.m. at the office of the South Street Journal, located at 449 East 35th Street in Chicago. 
Awards will be given to the founding fathers of Black Wall Street Chicago, and light refreshments will be served. We want you to bring your best elevator pitch. Do your best presentation. Contact us at 312-624-8351 to our SVP. Call that number anytime, 312-624-8351 to our SVP. Also, uh, CBBM member Stanley Martin, uh, Executive Director of ETS Events, Inc., will host a community resource and job fair at New Betha Church, 12 South Lincoln in Harvey, Illinois. That's from 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. on March 22nd. For more details, visit etsceo.com for details. That's www.etsceo.com for Now, coming up on March 23rd, Chicago's Black Business Network, in conjunction with the Illinois Institute of Technology, IIT, will be hosting an information and resource session for community college graduates and students who wish to make application to IIT's Presidential Scholarship Program. That's Wednesday, this coming Wednesday, March 23rd, from 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. on the Chicago campus at the IITRI building, 10 West 35th Street. That's right on 35th Street on the sixth floor. In the fall of 2010, 26 students from City Colleges of Chicago received this, this award, this scholarship, as well as 28 students from Sir Arthur Lewis Community College. They entered IIT as undergraduates supported by this presidential scholarship. This scholarship is $23,500 in annual tuition, renewable for three years, in addition to $5,000 annual housing scholarship for on-campus residency. It's important that we get this information out, people. I will be um, out distributing flyers. I will be making calls this weekend. This is some important information. You know, you hear it over and over again, and you may say it yourself, I don't have enough money to go to school. We're going to reach out to the community as many times as we can with this type of information. It's time to apply it. The deadline is April 15th. That's why it's so important that you help us spread this information. It is so important that you share this information. That's Wednesday, March 23rd. You can come to the CBBM website for information. You can call me, Sonia Purdue, at 312-239-8835 if you have questions. And to RSVP, 312-239-8835. Now, March 23rd, Black Wall Street Chicago will host a community outreach session. That's on the same night, but that's fine. You can go to one, pick up your information, come over to Black Wall Street, come to Black Wall Street, or come over and pick up your information. As Black Wall Street Chicago expands its services and community involvement and their agenda, they wish for all of the residents of Chicago to become familiar with Black Wall Street's local and national agenda as they prepare for the second annual Black Wall Street USA National Convention, October 21st through the 23rd in the Genesis Convention Center in downtown Gary, Indiana, so come over March 23rd, that's Wednesday. Join us over here at 6 p.m. to 9 p.m. at the office of the South Street Journal, 449 East 35th Street. 
as we uplift and move forward in our efforts to sustain and increase black businesses. You can RSVP. 312-624-8351. So we really hope to see you Friday night for the reception, and then we hope to see you on the 23rd as we move forward with some different type of agendas. You listen to Black Wall Street USA on Block Talk Radio. I'm Sonia Cassandra-Purdue, founder of CBBN and your co-host for this evening's show. Ron Carter, Wow. It's a lot going on with Black Wall Street, isn't it? Welcome to the show. Well, thank you, Sonia. It is a lot going on. Matter of fact, it's getting pretty intense, not only for our activities from expanding our Black Wall Street districts, but our uh, vice chair, uh, Cheryl Calvin, has expanded to government oversight, which is talking about following the money from A to Z. The government got a whole bunch of money they've been distributing, and they haven't been distributing to the black community fairly. So uh, Cheryl Calvin has been on top of that. She's been holding people accountable for uh, keeping secrets about all this money the government got. They supposed to have been uh, spending this money in um, undeserving communities, blighted areas, but they've been handing out a million dollars for this organization and that organization, so she pulled the lid on it. And she's going to pull the lid on it even more at our summit on March 26th. So that is um, a, a, another component of Black Wall Street in which we do have to follow the money A to Z, even though the, the agenda is sustaining increasing black businesses, uh, we know that the government is in the business of making businesses rich. So we want to be a part of that. And Cheryl has been taking an outstanding lead in holding our government uh, officials accountable because, again, there's two issues here. One is legislation, and then after legislation is passed, then there is an issue of implementing the legislation. So the black caucus and black elected officials on a state level has passed a whole bunch of legislation to uh, improve the, the economic stability of the black community. But once they pass this legislation, money comes with it, but that money did not come to black organizations. So that's one agenda that's definitely on top of, going to be top of the summit, which is going to be next Saturday at uh, Room 43. And even as we have expanded our agenda to the Room uh, 43 to, uh, what, 15 Black Wall Street districts now, there is government again. Sometimes we look at government as just that. But government actually set the stage on development, zoning, permits. So if the government does not allow development to happen, such as changing commercial property over to residential property, and you see a lot of commercial properties in the community, such as on 60, uh, 69th Street, 79th Street, uh, 43rd Street, and up and down State Street, nothing but a, a bunch of vacant commercial property sitting idle. And so you would think, why isn't this 
prime commercial property being used. That's because you get government being involved with rezoning a property right under the owners that's making this property idle. And when it makes it idle, the next thing is the owner cannot um, rehab the property or rent the property, and then it starts going into foreclosure. And then after foreclosure, the government come in and take over this uh, property, such as what happened with uh, 79th Street, uh, from State Street to uh, State Street to Ashland, basically, or State Street to Racine or Loomis. That was all prime commercial development. So it has been turned into a social service agency. And my concern is that if you focus more on on business, and you focus more on economic development, you wouldn't need so many social service agencies. Not take anything away from it, but if we go down to um, Chinatown on 22nd Street, we won't see a social service agency in there, but we will see door-to-door businesses that occupy and getting some of everybody money just because it's Chinatown or Greek Town or Korean Town or a little village. So we have established these Black Wall Street districts, and we have put a stake in our own community uh, to sustain and increase businesses. So all eyes on the district. That's the agenda that will be coming up uh, on May. I'm sorry, you you got me jumping in May, Sonia. (laughs) It's March 26th. But prior to that, tomorrow night, uh, here at our office at 449 East 35th Street will be the legendary entrepreneur Kenneth Lewis. Uh, he's been talking on and off about being involved with Black Wall Street, but he did not see the connection. So uh, I just called his office up, and he answered the phone, which he normally don't do, and he said that this is good timing. And so we talked, and he said he wanted to be a part of Black Wall Street, and he uh, opened the door for him to be our special guest speaker. Naturally, he is an example uh, that we would like many to be, which is entrepreneurship drive from his um, Kenny Ribs to his Dusty's Restaurants, to so many different uh, ventures, and even with um, his part in network buying, and um, so we'll feel, we feel real good uh, of having him present. So, yes, yeah, Sonia, we got a big agenda, an intense agenda, and even tonight as uh, we talk about the agenda of parity in the contracts at the same time. So, yes, we are ready to make this happen today, tonight, brother. You're listening to Black Wall Street USA. I'm Sonia Cassandra Purdue, your co-host for this evening. You're listening to Ron Carter, chairman of Black Wall Street Chicago. He had a lot to say, didn't he? Let's go. Let's back up a little bit, Ron. Now we want to be sure. Uh, how can our listeners, and when they go back and listen to this, and archive, get involved with what Cheryl is doing as far as uh, overseeing? Is that what you call it? Yeah, government oversight. I know we're all around the United States on on tonight's program, but those of you that are in Chicago, 
we do welcome you to come by our office tomorrow at 11 o'clock where Cheryl will be convening other um, activists, business people that's going to be focused on the logistics and the proposals and the RFQs of, uh, and the RFPs, on ex- uh, which is requests for proposals on how to go through the process who's giving the money out, and see, our job is to actually work people through it. Uh, So we welcome people to come by our office tomorrow in which there will be a committee meeting to go over the details of following the money A to Z regarding our government uh, letting out these contracts and proposals. And that's great. We have uh, a great agenda over here. There... um, Let's go back through the times. It's Friday morning at 11 a.m. for government oversight, and Cheryl is the person for that job. I'm not actively involved in that. I'm only one person. <laughs> but I am, I do have an ear to what she's doing. I am on her email list. So I see she is diligent in that, and she is the vice chair of Black Wall Street Chicago, and she is the woman for the job. So that's 11 a.m. at 449 East 35th Street. And uh, don't call, come. Come on over at 11 a.m. Tomorrow night is the, if you can't make it at 11 a.m., sure, we'll be here tomorrow evening. We'll all be here tomorrow evening for the reception and fundraiser for Black Wall Street Chicago, same location. Come on over at 6 p.m. and join us. As Ron say, Kenneth Lewis will be with us that evening. Now, how many times do you run rub elbows with millionaires? So you need to come on over uh, and and you know, be a part of what we do. And part of and what we do and what we're moving forward to do is to sustain and increase black businesses. When we talk about these this government oversight, Ron, I'm sure Ron would agree, we're talking about sustaining black businesses, sustaining black economics, sustaining the community because we, we can not no longer do it without dollars. I'm, I'm it's amazing how we're doing what we're doing, but we keep on we keep on pushing. But I thought you were a millionaire. I'm almost a millionaire. Don't be counting my money. But anyway, almost. I'm getting really close. Um, getting close to it. But it's it's important that we move past the survival mode, Mr. Carter. We've been in survival mode forever. It's time to move to success mode. And the money's there, and it needs to it, that needs to be addressed more than anything else. And uh, we'll keep reaching out to get that information for it. As he also mentioned, uh, the, the summit, so much going on, Summit 15, that's at Room 43 next Saturday, okay? That's 8.30 to 4.30. At Room 43, that's 1043 East 43rd Street. Uh, Mr. Norman Bolden is the proprietor over there. He's opened the doors uh, for us to be over there on the 26th. And also, for those of you who are unable to make the morning meetings at 8.30 on Thursday, I don't sure how, I don't know how they get 8.30 on Thursday morning, <laughs> but 8.30, it's a business meeting, okay? 8.30 on Thursday mornings is when Black Wall Street normally meets. But because they want to reach out into the community, because they're expanding their involvement in the community, uh, they want to have meetings some evenings so that after you get off of work, you can come over, get your cup of coffee, a refreshment, and be a part of it. 
So there's no excuse. You don't have to get up at 8.30 to, to be over here at 8.30. You can come next Wednesday evening, and uh, we look forward to seeing you. I will stop by after my event over at IIT. We want to be sure. And I want to say this about the presidential scholarships and all scholarships. It is money. <laughs> I mean, that's big money. If, if you're gifted a scholarship of $30,000, that is money. That is economic development. That is growth. That is success. That's why we need to repeatedly get this information out. On one of my shows, I talked about the Buick Foundation scholarship, 15000 They're giving out 100 scholarships. When you start making excuses about what you can't do, it's on you. We're giving out information. The Internet is not a secret. They can't keep everything a secret now. You've got to get out there and be a part of what's going on. Also, and I'm almost to May, Ron. I'm getting I'm getting into May. <laughs> We're going to May. Uh, I'm hosting a job fair along with ETS events and uh, a real job fair, and that should be April 13th. That's another Wednesday at Fernwood United Methodist Church at 10057 South Wallace. And that's going to be from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. And we're not finished, Ryan. We're just getting started. I haven't even put all my agendas up for April yet. Yeah, I'm almost in May, and I'm almost on the floor. Uh, we talked about, and I'm putting that forth. I kind of changed the date on you, Mr. Carter. April 29th was the day that Harold Washington was first um, took his first first oath of office for his first term as mayor of the city of Chicago. And uh, we want to celebrate that. We want to find out how you remember Harold Washington, but we don't want to overwhelm you this evening. There's so much going on because we want, to be here to, want you to be here on March 30th for the Small Business Tax Boot Camp, sponsored by Block Wall Street Chicago, the Moreau Foundation, H&R Block, and uh, generously supported by Citibank. So, Ron, we are on the move, are we not? We are. We definitely are. And I, I feel good about it. Every time we turn around, there's something new. There's always a new day and always a new initiative and always new people. So uh, it's not a, uh, it's a really a, a growth. And uh, I have to admit that Black Wall Street itself has set a presidency of a new form of an organization. And what keeps us Different is that our summits every three months, and where we are not only holding accountable of ourselves, but holding accountable of those that are in position that supposed to be accountable. So sometimes it put us in a, a light of who Black Wall Street think they are, but that comes with the territory. You know, you know what it says. Uh, I'll leave that comment alone. Go ahead, Sonia. <laughs> yeah, leave it alone. I want to say one other alone. thing. Leave it alone. Uh, our first guest, Ms. Anita, is on the line. And before we go to break, I just want to say one thing. Chicago's Black Business Network, that kind of, we had our, our first uh, business planning meeting last week at the King Branch. And we're going to also reach out to uh, the community. We're going to ho uh, host some more business planning meetings out at the library branches and in the communities because we want to welcome you into to what we do. 
Uh, people wonder what our relationship, CBBN's relationship, is with Black Wall Street Chicago. It's a collaboration. It's a community outreach and collaboration. And when I spoke to the uh, – and there were all women at the meeting. When I spoke to the young women at the meeting, the business planning meeting, because we bad, when I spoke to them at the business planning meeting, I spoke to them from the perspective of creating more business collaboration, and that's what we're going to do. Uh, I have another one of the members, Ms. Nita Merchant, which you, who you met, Ron. We're going to collaborate on a, on a workshop. And the other young ladies, I don't have everyone's name in front, in front of me, who are uh, the hosts now of the Miss Black Illinois pageant and the Miss Black Indiana pageant, we're collaborating on some things. I'm looking through our membership, Chicago's Black Business Network.com has over 700 members now, and I'm about to work myself in a little hole, but you know I'd be loving it. We're going to collaborate with these members. We're going to collaborate with the the community I explained it in the same type of collaboration and partnership I have with Black Wall Street. I want to build with my members, and it's going to be done. You know I'm a doer, and it's going to be done. Uh, when we look back over this year, uh, next year, it, I'm expecting it to be amazing. I'm expecting it to be a lot of growth and changes, Mr. Carter. And I want to thank you because it's been a great collaboration, but we're just getting started. You listen to Black Wall Street USA. Uh, you have any other comments before we go to break, Mr. Carter? Oh, I'm fine. I'm great. I'm ready to get our show on and see what Miss Anita is going to uh, address us, along with listening to our uh, callers. And I see Marilyn is online with us. Hello, Marilyn. So, hey. yes, we're ready. We're ready. Let's take a short break, and we're going to bring our guest on and continue with Black Wall Street USA. I'm Sonia Purdue. We'll be right back. misguided people in this world who turn to violence and use guns and sometimes innocent people like you and me get caught in the middle of it. Well, what's wrong with them? Baby, I don't know. They need change in their lives. Black, white. 
white man, woman, still it affects you. Violence ain't racist, death come in their faces, complacent. Till it hits home, that's when you taste it. And all of these murders and numbers unheard of, for reasons unheard of, account for a third of crimes just committed. You hear, but do you feel it now? Me and my people stand stronger till they get it. Tell the streets to put the thumbs down. Let's build a foundation here on common ground. And know that we won't stop until that peace is found. Gotta cry through the night, can you hear that sound? It takes people in all positions to get together and solve it. One city, one state, one nation, one voice. And the victory is ours if you can make one choice. Why can't we live here in peace? That peace is what we need. Why don't we? to Black Wall Street USA on Blog Talk Radio. I'm Sonia Cassandra Purdue, author of Black America, asking ourselves the tough questions and your co-host for this evening's show. Join us every Thursday evening right here for Black Wall Street USA. We're here from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. on Thursdays, and we want you to be with us here to be part of sustaining and increasing black businesses across the country. If you're interested in being a guest on an upcoming show, give us a call, 312-239-8888. 35. Ron Carter's direct number is 312-624-8351. want you to know uh, you can call in tonight. Our calling number is 347-326-9477. That's a lot of numbers, and we'll repeat that. 347-326-9477. The chat room is open. Press the number 1 if you'd like to come on the air with us. We'd love to hear your comments. We'd love to hear your questions for the host. Let's bring the chairman of Black Wall Street Chicago back on the air. Welcome to the show, Ron, and let's welcome our guest, Miss Arnitha, Black Wall Street member. Miss Arnitha, welcome to the show. God bless you, God bless you, and thank you for having me as a guest, Ms. Purdue and Mr. Carter. I really appreciate it. Well, it's our pleasure having you here. Matter of fact, I think this is your first time being on um, our program, is it? It is indeed. As a guest, I have listened, but it is my first time as a guest, and I am honored. So I do 
say thank you very much. Well, we know we know each other. We know that you are a board member of Black Wall Street. We know that you are head of a a lot of business ventures. We know that you are the chairman of Black Contractors in the Neighborhood. And with all that you involved in, you know that I'm a newspaper reporter. Yes, I do. <laughs> I just had to throw that in. You ready? Yes. Well, first of all, let's. Uh, I know one thing about it. Even though I'm a, a newspaper reporter, you also uh, have your own radio program as well. So you are a. Uh, uh, I don't know. I think you're so versatile in in your mission, not only in business but also in your. Uh, I guess your spirit in serving. Um, after this, how did you, what made you get where you are based on all the activities and business ventures you're in? When did you realize that you were going to be doing uh, what you're doing? At what age? Uh, well, you know, I came from a political background. Congressmen are in my family. Uh, senators are in my family. Judges are in my family. Lawyers are in my family came from a background where my parents uh, believed in large families. Obviously, they had 16 children together. And so my brothers um, have nine and ten children with their wives. Um, there are no divorces in our family. I take that back. One divorce, and they remarried again. Uh, so family structure is very, very important to us. And I came up with a political agenda around the table every evening. So at the age of four and five, I was hearing conversation about political things. Um, my family, all of my family, all of my brothers and sisters, they have a business, some business or another, along with most of them pushing a political agenda. I believe it was not this summit, but the last summit that I mentioned uh, my last name. And as I began to talk about government contracts, somebody stood up in the back and said, are you any Ken Olin Goldston? And I said, yes, that's um, my brother. And he said, he has been great with city contracts and the procurement department and in getting black certified. And I said, oh, thank you. Uh, so just a long history of parents, my mother and my father, neither one of them received a college degree, so their whole mission in life was to make sure that every one of their children received a college degree. Um, and everyone did except me because I watched them go to college and come out with a lot of debt. So when I was 18 years old, I was watching my brothers buy hood houses. And at that time, you can go in a lottery and get a house for a dollar. And, well, it's just what Chicago is. If you had a hookup, you didn't go in the lottery. <laughs> So I watched them take houses and, you know, for almost nothing and sell them and come back with checks, even at that time, um, in 60s and 70s for forty and $50,000. And I said, uh-uh, that's what I'm going to do, since you asked what made me start and what age. I started saying right then, that's what I'm going to do. I understood that that was a lot of money. And so when I was 18 years old and had a full scholarship to Howard University, 
um, academic, I decided that I was going to actually go into the military to be a pilot because I wanted to learn how to fly a plane and I was going to do real estate. Well, I didn't get in the military, went through everything, got tested, and um, they said, you are expecting. <laughs> and we don't take people who are expecting. So instead of going into the military, I was already in a marriage, and that was okay with them, but not a marriage and inspecting. So I became a housewife and went into my dream, and that was to go into real estate. Uh, at that time, you could actually do an appraisal with no license. Uh, you really didn't have a licensing requirement uh, to buy and sell houses. That came later. And so I've been in real estate a very long time, and I experienced uh, very early, at, in, in my early 20s, uh, pretty much all the toys that anybody could have because when you're 20, you really don't, and you don't have, you don't have mentors that just stay on you. I had mentors in my father, in my family, and with my father, but they did some of the things that I was doing. So you know, you you get the toys, you get the Mercedes, you get huge houses, you live downtown, and um, that got a little old. By the time I was in my mid thirties, I had had every car that they made that I wanted. I was flying planes because that was my goal, so I became a pilot. So um, having a my own Learjet uh, was a toy that I wanted, but it got it, it did start to get old. Your and, own Learjet became a toy, and old. <laughs> well, just the toys in life, and I, I realized that I just wanted to do more. Um, I was a giver, so people that were around me lived a very, very comfortable, comfortable lifestyle. Um, Flying an airplane, what more do you want other than going to the moon? <laughs> well, I thought about that too, Ron, honestly. <laughs> and for pilots that are listening, everybody knows there's, there's nothing like the air. There's nothing like the air. Nothing. Um, mm-hmm. Okay, I didn't know that about you, but I'm okay. Welcome to the program. Yeah. I'm gonna learn a little bit more. Uh, so, tell me. so uh, what happened is that because of my family's political sense, when Mayor Harold Washington and I heard uh, Sister uh, Sonia begin to talk about him and us not forgetting. Um, I was already downtown. Um, one of the first African Americans that was recognized to have a business in the One Magnificent Mall, and uh, be on State Street over ten years. Um, so, when he took office, he helped. I don't know how many people, but I can personally say he helped me. Uh, I was down there. I was already doing business. I was already uh, setting up businesses on a federal and state level, I was already doing things, and I was approached. I had a lot of youth because I was really beginning to just give back, give back, give back, give back, and I was hiring youth, and I was training youth then, and he allowed me to receive a contract called the Hire the Future program through a company called Introspect that's still in operation today. And mm-hmm. I received two uh, different awards for hiring more youth in the city of Chicago at that time than any other corporation. 
So I was very grateful. I mean, it wasn't like Internet is today where people, everything is on the Internet. It was at that time we had a mainframe. My office had a mainframe, and then we had, you know, big computers, mainframes and big things that were computers. Um, and our cell phones was in a bag. You walking down up and down the uh, streets with a seven ten pound bag on you that's rings, and you pull it out and answer the phone. That's how cell phones first came out. Um, so I just love that. I love that part about my life. That's the most exciting part is when I was really doing something with the children and when their minds were being structured in a wonderful way and when people were coming back after going to college and they were going into their own business. And I meet people today that say, you don't remember me, do you? And I don't. And they say, well, remember, uh, you gave me a scholarship for $20,000 to go to college and I went and now I'm a doctor and now I'm a lawyer. It makes a difference. And to just fast forward, I haven't changed that much. because currently I'm almost doing the same thing, just in a different way. Um, and okay, learned- so you're in uh, construction now. And how long have you been in the construction, or did that come along with your real estate uh, interest? Well, what happened is that if you start to buy houses and buy buildings and you wind up with contractors, and, you know, if you have a couple of experience where, you know, you pay somebody a third and you don't see them no more, <laughs> you quickly figure out, I need to do something different. Uh, so that's pretty much how I wound up with a construction license. And, if, you know, what I'm saying is all checkable, and that led me to getting my certification as a um, construction field. Yeah, I couldn't qualify for a DBA, but I did qualify for a WBE. Um, How long have you been in the construction field now? Um, Almost 20 years. Okay. All right. So as it leads, uh, as you get involved with, um, I guess you get really involved with black contractors in the neighborhood before you get involved with uh, black Wall Street. Um, And then, you know, actually you became the chairman of uh, black contractors in the neighborhood. Can you bring us up to date on exactly what this focus is on disparity legislation? I love to. Um, I often say to you and others that begin to talk about parity, parity is not an issue of color. It's not a black or white issue. And that's why I'm careful when I speak of parity. I do not push it as a black agenda. And I'll tell you why. Because parity is a human rights agenda. It's a human rights agenda. It simply says this. If I live in a community and 75% of the community is the same ethnic group that I am, then 75% of the contracts that are awarded on any government level should be awarded to people who look like me and live in this community. And it goes a step further to say that if you don't see a person like me in my community that can handle this job, then go outside, but you must find a person that looks like me, that's the resident, that represents the residents that are in this community. It's like a trial, a jury. You must be judged by your peers. It's, It's the same identical concept. That's a parity issue. 
So now, if, I live in Inglewood, if I live in Inglewood and Inglewood is 95% black, then the people who get the contracts to do the streets and the curves and the sidewalks and to build houses and hospitals, they need to be 95% black. We're talking, I think that at this point we're talking about government contracts or are you speaking, expanding it to private contracts as well? No, the, the point is that on city, state, local, and federal, when they put money into these particular projects, parity should apply almost just as a mandatory thing. Across the okay, board. so then as I know that uh, that is going to be an agenda item at the summit. Uh, can you give a uh, a direction on uh, where we are with the elected officials backing up? But before that, uh, I would like to bring on a caller, and then from that caller, then we can go back to the logistics of passing this legislation. Um, caller? Beep, beep. Uh, Sonia, we have a caller with us? Yes, we do. You're listening to Black Wall Street USA. Our host is Ron Carter, chairman of Black Wall Street Chicago. I'm Sonia Purdue, co-host for this evening. Let's check and see if we have a caller. Last four digits, 3175. You're on the air with Black Wall Street USA. Do you have a question or comment? Hello to everybody. Uh, good evening. Uh, your name and where you calling from, sir? Uh, I called from the southeast side of Chicago. I want to say from that where? southeast side of Chicago. I want to All say right, that your I, name? Uh, Daryl. I can't hear Darryl? you guys on my computer, so I uh, called you over the phone. But I want to ask a few questions. Uh, did you become alderman yet, Ron? And uh, <laughs> how many uh, businesses has been added? To the 79th Street Halstead area. How, how many businesses have been added to the 79th Street yeah, cause Halstead I know, area? Because I, I know you said that was going to be another. Black well, Halstead let me uh, uh, just a sidebar on that is that no, I did not uh, win the election, but I did not win. But I would say that the community at large did win. Uh, not only uh, the ward won based on me running, but the, because what has happened is that upon me losing, uh, it comes in with negotiations. And I have presented my platform to the alderman of the 17th Ward, Latasha Thomas, is that two things, that three things that we want. Is that we want 69th Street to be a black Wall Street district, we want 79th Street to be a black Wall Street district, and we want her to take the lead in passing the parity legislation. And what comes that is she's going to come to the black Wall Street. Uh, she's going to be a special elected official at the summit on March 26 to address the body on those three points. So uh, sometimes uh, losing comes into a win in disguise. Okay. Mm -hmm. Thank you. So, but as far as specifically how many businesses, uh, we have uh, settled on an agreement that 79th Street will be a Black Wall Street district, and so now it comes time to actually put that agreement into works. 
So we're moving forward on that. Now I have another question now. Since I can't hit you guys through my computer, do you think it might be something wrong on your end? Uh, Sonia, matter of fact, I'm on, you don't, don't worry about it. I got some of those problems too. I'm going to uh, talk to Sonia after the show and we're going to get this straight. Okay. But yeah, do call us back after the, uh, the program because there is maybe a way that you're logging in. And sometimes I get kind of logged in a little off base too. Okay, uh, thank you. All right. Thanks for calling. Okay. So, uh, Miss Anita, Based on that question, and even to the point, and you know, you as I have to say, you have been supportive of my campaign uh, running for uh, Alderman of the 17th Ward. How do you view that the my opponent, uh, who is in a runoff, she's not actually scot-free going to be the Alderman yet. Uh, she haven't totally won. But she did indicate that she will support actively the parity legislation and also the Black Wall Street districts. Where do we go from there? What is the next step toward this parity based on that type of support? Well, let me answer your first question was, uh, was it just government or was it government and private? I think that when you bring companies in that are um, Fortune 1,000 companies, Fortune 500 companies, uh, up to Fortune 1,000 companies, I think that they should have some responsibility to the community, absolutely. So I think in those cases that they should be respectful of the parity law. Well, you get um, like Walmart, uh, like Walmart coming into the community. Uh, first of all, you will not pay decent wages. You just will not do it. You have decided that you're just not going to do that, and you will not give decent benefit packages. But that's another whole story, and the fact that if, it, if, if there's a mom-and-pop operation anywhere within miles of you, you put them out of business. But that's another whole story. On top of that, in most oh, cases, Go ahead. Not, in most cases, in most cases, you do not use uh, any type of compensational structure towards your construction projects that directly benefit the people that are in that neighborhood. So it's not like you seek out from the alderman or the alderman makes you accountable or the state rep or the senator, and uh, hopefully Black Wall Street can be a policing agent to make you accountable to say, we like to see who is getting the contract jobs with you. Since you are going to build a store, then you're going to be ready to spend $30 million uh, on this big box. We want to know who's getting those contracts. And if you can't use the con- contractors as primary, we want to see your sub list to see mm-hmm. how many dollars is actually going to benefit this community because we do have qualified contractors. We do. Mm-hmm. So and where do we take this legislation? Uh, what's the process of actually getting this parity legislation passed in the city council? Well, the first thing that you have to do is um, well, you have to you sh- well you don't have to because you can introduce it as Black Wall Street. You can introduce it and get it on the agenda that- yourself. It's more we don't necessarily have to have an elected official to introduce it? No. no, you do not. No, as a taxpayer. So what is the process? How are we going to be moving forward on it? 
We have a couple of people that have said that if you get the support, I will introduce the piece. Uh, Phil Reddy, I believe, has been very, very supportive in terms of saying, I am still with it. He had an illness. Uh, but I, I'm still willing to champion this cause because I believe in it. You have other people, like you just talked about, the Alderman Latasha Thomas, that's saying, okay, Congressman Daddy Davis said, wonderful, 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 wonderful concept. I support that 100%. And there's not many people that I've talked to or that I've spoken to that have not. In fact, the now will be current mayor, Ron Emanuel said prior to his election that he would support a parity piece. Now, there's some accountability to that because prior to his election, he also said, I don't want a yes town. I don't want people to just agree with me because I'm the mayor. I want people to agree with me when I am doing the best thing for the people. But before he even has been sworn in, the first thing that he said he's doing is getting a political action committee. And with, I mean, no apologies. He said, my purpose for that is if did not agree or support me in my candidacy, all the way so where do we go then? Is it is it um, is it gonna follow up with Emmanuel or what exactly? Uh, uh, how are we gonna move forward? I know we have the summit coming up, but then after the summit, uh, where do we uh, where do we go from there? Okay, I'm gonna finish the statement and then I'll I'll answer that. And and his point was for the political action is people that who did not agree with him that it was his sole purpose to get them out of their position. Okay, so I don't know how you run a city like that, so I don't know where it's going to go. But the bottom line is this, that we can introduce this. We can we can skip city. We can skip Chicago. We can skip Cook County. This is a federal issue. And that's what I keep trying to get people that I talk to to understand is that parity is federal. There are already books yeah, I know that there's federal, on too. The books. We got uh, on the heads of the municipal government, where do we move forward on a municipal level next after the summit? What's going to be the direction? Well, I am, I am my direction with the staff and the support of Black Wall Street is this that every single person that has said that once the election is over, once things settle down, I'll move the parity agenda forward. Then I'm going back to and say, okay, now is the time. Yeah, so where you say the election is over? No, I'm saying during the election, people pull back to concentrate on running for their... But for the most part, the election is over for many of these people, like Fear Reddy. The election is over. He won. So what else are we waiting on? We're not waiting on anything. If you remember, and I'm sure you do, three weeks ago I did a memo that went all the way up to President Obama to talk about the parity piece and to get out to every single alderman, the senators, all the way up to the president. So I wasn't, I didn't even wait till the election was over. I'm just saying people's commitment and focus at that time was on getting their Paychecks renewed. Okay, well, look, we're going to um, take a break, and then after the break, uh, Mike Neal, who's also in, uh, uh, is a leader 
in parity um, and in construction is going to come on with us, and we're going to see where we can uh, join in with him on this whole construction industry. Uh, you ready for us, Sonia, for the break? I'm ready for you, Mr. Carter. You're listening to Black Wall Street USA, and you're listening to the chairman of Black Wall Street Chicago, Ron Carter, who is also the publisher and editor of South Street Journal. On the line with us is Miss Arnitha. Miss Arnitha, I didn't know all of that. I put in the chat room. I'm following right in your footsteps. You're going to see me right on your heels. Oh, girl, I'm so proud of you. Thank you for being with us this evening and sharing that. And I want to continue to share your story, your success story. We need to hear more and more about that. We're going to come back uh, after our brief break, catch our breath, and uh, we're going to be back with Mr. Mike Neal of MTN and Associates, who are community and economic consultants. They provide technical assistance to our communities. So this is going to be a great dialogue. We're going to bring Mr. Neil back on, and then we're going to bring Ms. Arnitha back because we want everyone to engage. I'm Sonia Purdue, founder of Chicago's Black Business Network.com. You're listening to Black Wall Street USA. We're here every Thursday evening from 7 p.m., to 9 p.m., please join us in sustaining and increasing black businesses across the country. We'll be right back. This is Sonia Cassandra. Small business owners, are you struggling? Struggling with small business tax issues year after year? Are you unsure what taxes you should file to the state, the city, the county, or the IRS? Then get it right by attending this free small business tax Boot camp on Wednesday, March 30th at 449 East 35th Street from 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. Call today, 773-383-1274 to reserve your seat. Spaces are limited. That's Wednesday, March 30th, 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. at 449 East 35th Street. To RSVP for this free small business tax boot camp, call today. This is a community collaboration between the Monroe Foundation, Black Wall Street Chicago, and H&R Block, supported by Citibank.
You're listening to Black Wall Street USA. I'm Sonia Purdue, founder of CBBN. Black Wall Street USA is the official broadcast of Black Wall Street National. You can hear our shows on their main page, blackwallstreetdistrict.com. You will also be able to listen to the rebroadcast of this show Saturday mornings, 9 a.m. to 11 a.m., wjpcchicago.com. And I'm finding out that other people, other stations are downloading our show and they're downloading it from iTunes and playing it across the country. I track them down. Please call me and uh, let me know that you're playing. And we'd love to announce it, the rebroadcast. We really would. Our caller number is 347-326-9477. Our caller number is 347-326-9477. The chat room is open. If you'd like to, we have people on the line, but if you'd like to come on the air, you have a question or comment, press the number one. That's a signal to me, and uh, we'll be happy to bring you on the air during this last 45 minutes. We'd love to hear your comments, your questions. Just briefly, before we go back to our second guest, and uh, Ms. Anifa, the pilot, we want to recap our upcoming events. Friday, tomorrow, 6 p.m. to 9 p.m., Black Wall Street Chicago will be hosting its reception and fundraiser leading up to the Black Wall Street Chicago Economic Summit 15th. That's Saturday, March 26th. But we want you over here tomorrow night. The keynote speaker will be Mr. Kenneth Lewis, owner of Kenny Ribs and Chicken, among other things. He will be our keynote speaker. That's at 449 East 35th Street. Light refreshments, bring your best business business presentation. And our number to RSVP, if you have any questions, 312-624-8351, 312-624-8351. Chicago's Black Business Network will be hosting an information and resource session in conjunction with the Illinois Institute of Technology for community students and community college grads, graduates so that they can make application for IIT's Presidential Scholarship. The deadline for that scholarship is April 15th, so we want you out there Wednesday, March 23rd, 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. And after you stop over there at 10 West 35th Street on the 6th floor, right on 35th Street, come on over. Black Wall Street is going to be holding a evening community outreach session. We want you to come on back on over to 449 East 35th Street, and that's 6 p.m. to 9 p.m. I don't think Ron gave me to 9 p.m., but I put it in there. Uh, might be 10 p.m., huh, Ron? That's at the office of South Street Journal, located at 449. I'm setting them up, people. Really, I am. That's at the office of South Street Journal, 449 East 35th Street. So that's next Wednesday. So after you drop on over to IIT, pick up those applications. Give them out to everybody you know. Come on over to um, the Black Wall Street office or either way. We want to see you that evening. Uh, let's welcome the chairman of Black Wall Street Chicago back on the air with us. Ron, welcome back to the show. Let's welcome our next guest, Ron, Mr. Mike Neal, MTN and Associates, Community Economic Consultants. Welcome to the show, Mr. Neal. Good evening, uh, Sister Sonia. How are you tonight? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Glad that you can make it with us. Really am. Yeah, I was yes, glad well, to Same here, Michael. I'm glad that you're here with us. Um, and I got the message that I spelled your name incorrectly. 
uh, not a problem. I'm not. I'm not real big on that, but uh, that's not a problem. I just want to commend you guys on such a lovely job, Anita. My sister, it was a pleasure talking to you last uh, night. Uh, you got the right person uh, leading that that initiative with the black contractors in the neighborhood. I'm, I'm very excited to work with you guys. Well, you have been in the uh, construction field for uh, a long time, working with many different groups, working with uh, the the overall. I understand that what we're doing with this parity is just one piece. As Miss Anita indicated, that uh, when we talk about parity, she wants to take it all the way up, and what she has took it all the way up to uh, President Barack Obama. What is the overall focus of the, the uh, I guess, the initiative that you're doing, and how does this parity legislation take part in the, the whole initiative that you're doing? I, I think I, I had to commend you, Ron, on taking the lead on this parity initiative because I think it's one step. It's a small step, but it's a very significant step and actually uh, identifying some solutions. We can talk all night long about the problems, disparity, and we have not got out. I think the focus has got to be more, in my perspective, on how to resolve these issues. Uh, The parity study is is good in that folks are engaging in conversation. Uh, We know as politicians, they do make promises through elections, but I think the Black Wall Street, along with your other partners, uh, now is the time to be able to hold them accountable and develop a implementation plan on how that goes. And I would just go back to say I look at it more in a broader scope, as Anita was saying, like my sister was saying earlier, about it's not just a black issue. It's based upon uh, the communities that folks are not participating uh, in these here projects. And I would further go on uh, to discuss, as we will probably in our summit, to have dialogue, is that this is, has been a historical uh, cultural problem in construction, and, and it is my opinion that we look at it on the broader scope in terms of any public-funded projects where our taxpayer dollars are going in, uh, we should ask all ethnic groups, and particularly blacks because of the documents and the, and, and the percentages show that we've been left behind for so many years, is that there needs to be some recourse on this here. And I, I would like to start the, the, the dialogue or at the, the summit to talk about how do we actually develop some systems in place in terms of a couple of things I think would have to, have to happen. Number one, we've got to understand that uh, we are, as the people, we vote in our politicians. There's got to be accountability with that, with any legislation that comes comes on. And, there, and, and also we've got to be real serious in order for these things to actually benefit the people that they are intended to benefit, I think we've got to get out of some of the politics because it's kind of hard for folks to implement these type of legislation when you still are looking at the political alliance, the folks that are running them. So we, you know, I, I would hope that we will entertain and look at, like they did the Shackman decree, having an independent monitor where the, where the mayor and the, and the state legislators and, and the city council and look at having an independent commission that can actually help develop and oversee these things with no political strength attached. It's hard to put and monitor somebody and cite them when they're paying you. They pretty much control the process. So I think we, we may want to look at how do we actually come up with a system of, 
of, of, of accountability, if you will, and not being able to, the perception, to pay the play. And I think if we start to implementing some systems of independent commission, however that may form out to be, and then having an independent uh, in the, uh, body that actually would monitor these things to help with the implementation plan and being able to provide the resources to the community. That's on one phase. The other phase I think is very important, what I've been in, involved with and seeing in terms of uh, some of the barriers is basically on capacity and being able for a lot of the uh, minority, black and Hispanic, and particularly blacks, have been a, uh, has been a big disparity in blacks in being able to participate in a lot of these procurements. Because so what do you mean by these, capacity? What, what does that mean, for, for capacity? capacity means, uh, when I say capacity, I mean that when you're talking about individuals, your, 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 your traditional firms that are successful, they come in, they come in with the season of attorneys. They come in with the season accountants. They come in with the season project managers, the estimators, and so forth. And so when you talk about uh, trying to get a firm, a smaller firm, that you have a bid, that you, when you said they said public bid and there's a public bid, it's hard for a firm that's making $200,000 uh, 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 a year in growth sale to compete with some with a $25 million firm. So you can't, you, it's, it's really hard to throw these smaller firms into this here whole bid uh, cycle and expect for them to be competitive because they don't have the capacity, the working, uh, working capital. Uh, they, there's union issues. There's bonding issues. So right off the top, when these programs are designed, they're, they're designed so uh, technical that, you, that, that folks cannot meet those requirements. So there's a big disparity in how just the procurement contracting uh, system uh, is, is developed. And we've got, to, we've got to look at who's actually influencing those requirements on these contracts and proposals because uh, many of your smaller firms will not be able to qualify because of these restrictions, these imposed requirements that they just can't do. We have a lot of folks, uh, small business, and not just black, but I call them conventionally challenged. So when you're talking about being able to go to a bank to get working capital, they're not going to meet the underwriting criteria. So there needs to be mm -hmm. some things that we've done some things in the past where we look at, and a lot of people don't like the term, but target market. We need to have those firms that can compete based upon the, the ones that are in the category that they peed amongst each other and not put them all into one barrel. So those are some of the things I think that we can look at in terms of capacity, looking at the system. We already know it's broke, but engaging if, 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 there's, a true, if there's a true intent of commitment for, for change, then we can talk about implementation plans. But I, I would say the major thing is that I think Black Wall Street is on point, uh, being one of the lead uh, organizations, is being able to hold these, uh, our elected officials accountable, educating the people on how they're voting and, and what's the impact of their vote. And like uh, early on you said about with Cheryl, she's doing a tremendous job out there where, you know, we've got, we've, got, we've got legislation already on the books, but it's not being enforced. And so we need to educate the people on who's passing, who's signing on these laws in their community. So I, I, I'm excited about the, the, the summit. I'm excited about engaging uh, individuals in solutions, not problems. I think we need to be more focused on the solutions. And, I, and I'm, mm -hmm. I'm de definitely looking forward to working with the black contractors in the neighborhood, whatever support I can help them with. 
So we have been uh, back and forth, up and down, round and around on this construction. Uh, there was some uh, uh, some light at the end of the tunnel when Harold Washington became mayor, and then um, and I think it got up to and then the federal government came in and said she can't be no bean uh, bean counter under um, President Clinton, where. Uh, the term black was not part of the count. The count is minority, and when blacks were maybe about 18% of the contracts, and now it's down to maybe about 8%. Uh, Todd Stroger reported when he was the president that the uh, contracts with blacks was up to 18%, and there is no record of where it is now. Um, when are we going to actually, you know, this contract business has been so complex uh, to the point that the brothers that are sitting on the porches looking at other folks doing the work, how and when could we actually be comfortable or is there just an ongoing fight with racism or capitalism? Well, I, I think you got a couple of things there, Ron, but it goes back to legislation, okay, because they said that they, there's a law to discriminate. You just can't have blacks out there uh, as it's listed as a one subgroup. I, I beg to differ that because if all the numbers come out, it's, it's showing that blacks are not, are not getting a, their fair share of this. So I think that's one thing we have to have dialogue on. Maybe we should have blacks as a, a separate category group. Because when you throw them into minority situation, everybody understands that the majority of the minority contracts are going to your white women suppliers, and and, and those white women, there's nothing wrong with. I mean, they they have they they they're entitled to, but the way that the system has been designed is that many times those white firms, women are front streets for their husbands and so forth historically. So when you look at uh, the disparity on that, you said they're, they're meeting their minorities' numbers, but I think that we should break it down just like they have Asian 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 goals and they and they have Indian tribe goals and so forth. And I think that's where we kind of uh, need to re-examine that legislative-wise uh, in, in terms of where where we at. Because here again, the other thing, and when you talk about certification and you're talking about all the things that. We have to go through as a people to get certified. We still don't get a, we still don't get our proportion of the contract. Where non-black, non-certified are getting the larger share. So well, you know, let me ask you this: here. Is, is there an issue among blacks? I know, Miss Anissa, you are involved in uh, job uh, or construction training, and I'm pretty sure, Mike, that you've been involved in it as well. Is there a lack of blacks entering the field of construction which results in blacks being on the job, or is that a misnomer? Well, you got to look at, let me just share this with you. you got to look at basically any major public contracting job, basically our union, okay? And when you talk about a union, that's a whole dynamic because most folks, and we know historically, Blacks particularly have not been haven't had gained access into union and union apprenticeships. The other thing is that blacks don't necessarily have the the the, the dollars or have the capacity to go in and be in a job and be and become union and do and private work. 
Mike, let me kind of put this in here a little bit. I was uh, driving down uh, on 87th and uh, by Home Depot. What is that, Home Depot? Home. What is that place? On 87th Street. Home Depot? Mm. When I was driving right down that little side street, there were maybe about, ooh, shucks, maybe about 25 Hispanics in their trucks waiting for somebody to pick them up to go on a construction site. And I didn't see any blacks. Uh, What's the deal with that? Uh, Are you familiar with that that, that site? I mean, when I say that they're waiting for somebody to actually uh, take them on one of these construction sites, and I didn't see no blacks. Why is that? Is that just coincidental that it's all Hispanics in a black neighborhood waiting to be uh, taken up on a job? Or blacks are already working that they don't have to be sitting there waiting for somebody to take them on a job. I'm trying to understand the labor force. Is there a lack of blacks in the labor force in construction or um, there's so many of us that we don't need to do that? Can you now, give me some type of insight? You're talking about different. There's a couple. Of, a couple of dynamics from my perspective. There, you just got to keep in mind. Number one, you got to look at the cultural thing. Uh, historically, when Hispanic or other folks are coming in, and I'm not saying all, but you talk about a lot of illegal aliens, a lot of illegal folks are coming in, and so they're working at below what what blacks will, will, will work for, and plus they're not on paper. So, you know, it's going to be much more advantageous for somebody to come in and basically get get some work for free and don't have to report it. So there, that's one that's one of the, the many cases. And then blacks are not able to go in and work for that same type of, of, of salary and then have to be on record and report those things. So, I mean, that's just one of many things. But that's not just in uh, 87 on, in Chicago. That's throughout. That's, that has been always an issue. And here again, when you look at a lot of your sites, Quite a few sites have a lot of uh, undocumented workers that are on there, and there's, there's really no monitoring or there's no effective monitoring, I would say that. I don't know if there's no mon- effective monitoring uh, to be able to deal with that. And, and so, I mean, so Ms. Anita, as you are uh, doing training, do you see that it is a uh, – do you have more than enough to train in the construction or are you still trying to identify people to take up the training that you're doing? You know, Ron, when you asked that question, I was thinking this. When I was in school, I went to a vacational school. I went to Lucy Flowers. At that time, it was a testing school to be able to go to that high school. But that school was geared around what you had an interest in. Our schools no longer have shop in them. Mm -hmm. They don't have construction trade in them. Nobody's teaching you how to be an electrician or a plumber, work on cars. So the one thing, well, one of the many things, but the one thing that we was at the forefront of was in the trades as African-Americans to make a living. They eliminated all of that from schools. They eliminated places that people could have readily accessibility. You come out of high school, you had a trade. 
And fastly we're seeing, as you noticed at Home Depot, that there are other ethnic groups that are starting to dominate those trades. No, I don't feel that we can ever have enough people trained in that industry because it's simply not enough people. And if it was enough people that had true skilled and training, I believe that we would have better organization as a race. We would have better respect from our government officials from the White House down, they would respect us more because we would have been a master, the excellence of our trades. And once we can go back to developing a high-trust culture, psychologically, I've heard so many times people say, I don't do business with blacks. And you look at them and you say, what's your race? I'm black, but I don't do business with blacks. That's a cultural training. That's socially engineered. It's socially engineered to create a low-trust culture for whatever the reason, and we all know. So, no, we don't have enough people in the trades. I feel that we need to, as African Americans, start applying for some of these charter schools and turn them into trade schools. Right here on 55th, between King Drive and State, you have athletic charter school. Eight blocks away, you have another athletic charter school. So if you can have a school that's geared toward athletes, you can have a school that's geared toward trade. And I think that we need to go back to taking some control over our educational system for our children and for young men to begin to teach them bona fide skills so that not only when they come out of high school are they academically prepared but they are also socially equipped as well as they are equipped in their trade. And we are not seeing that anymore. We have to step up as leaders and as organizers and do better so that we don't get locked out of this trade too. Well, let me ask both of you this question, and maybe I'm just going to go back on a statement on one of our programs that addressed it, um, uh, the, the, the assets of blacks compared to whites, in which they indicated that the, the net worth of blacks is about $16 compared to the whites is about $89. Uh, and the question was, will we ever see that that would be a, a balance and an equal net worth between blacks and whites. Uh, one person said, no, blacks would never uh, be able to have the same net worth as whites. And then another one said, yes, we can, based on uh, if certain things put in place. How would both of you relate that to the construction field? And if so, what time frame do you think that that is possible to happen if it can happen and as it relates to the construction? Well, from my perspective, Ron, I, before I, I answer that, I just want to go back with, with my sister's statement. I, I agree with the training to a certain degree. The problem I have with training is we got a whole bunch of folks trained to know where to go. 
I'm not opposed to training, but I work with several organizations and unions, certified folks that are out of work. So I understand the training. There is a need for some training, but we've got a lot of folks on training on that on that ground. The other, for your answer to my perspective on the question you just asked, is that will we ever find some equity in terms of, 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 of being in the same uh, economic status as our counterparts? Uh, I think that it goes to the, you know, the golden rule, who has the gold, makes the rules. And, 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 and to be honest with you, it's a play-to-play uh, scenario in construction. If you know somebody that's, you know, who sent you? And, and, and it's unfortunate, but that's how it goes. So we, and then the other thing, I'm not going to just jump on other folks. We have an obligation that we're not living up to because we've got some, we've got some, uh, some successful blacks that have made it and have not reached back. So I mean, in terms of going in and being able to be on the same level, uh, I don't see that in any, any in the coming future at any time soon because you got to look who controls the industry, who controls the supplier. Uh, material, who controls the insurance industry, who can We're going to be having this fight until doomsday? I, you know, at the same point, I, I don't want to sound uh, pessimistic, but I, I hear who's in control. And, and here again, unless, unless we, in my opinion, be able to get legislation and being able to have uh, individuals, uh, independent uh, uh, commissions that have oversight over this here, Without the political strings, it's not going to happen, in my opinion. Maybe wrong, well, but that's my opinion. Well, let me kind of as before, Ms. Anita, as you answer that question, I guess I want to do a little emphasis, maybe, as uh, Mike indicate who's in control, call the shots, then maybe, as you were saying, Ms. Anita, earlier, is to be in control, maybe this parity legislation need to be done on each level of government in order for us to have the control uh, for equity, as Mike is saying. But that's a a point, but how do you foresee this equity actually happening, or do you see it in the same way, Mike, is that uh, this is, you know, neither you're going to be in control or you're never going to have it? Uh, What's your analysis of actually being equal in the construction field? And when do you uh, see that that can happen, if you think it can? Well, you know, one thing that I like about dialogue like this is that we can all agree to be disagreeable because mm-hmm. I do not agree. We can. I do, but anyway, go I, ahead. I do, <laughs> I'm just kidding with you. Go ahead. <laughs> I do not agree because Booker T. Washington told the people to come to college, come to college. And when they got to college, it was nothing there. It was a run-down farmhouse. And they said, come to college. He said, here's the shovels. We're going to dig and deal. We're going to control our own educational institute. And in 40 years, if we harvest red clay brick, in 40 years, we'll be on the same economical plane that any other ethnic group is in America. We will control and dominate bricks, red clay bricks. We master that. Nothing will be built. Nothing will go up unless they come to us with bricks and mortars. 
Now, he built Tuskegee Institute, Tuskegee College, using that principle. So I say this, that it may be people without jobs that have skills, but I don't know many that don't have jobs and have skills that want to work. Because just like the Mexicans are standing out in front of Home Depot, they get picked up. How do I know they get picked up? I see vans pull up there and pick them up. I see that. Because they're willing to do what other people are not willing to do. They're willing to go stand and be chosen. They're willing to work for a little less, but they feed their family. So when you have a skill, I said one time, I've never really met a well-qualified plumber. He may not smell that good when he get on work, but he had a pocket full of money. Well, what what about my question, though? Uh, do you think that we can be able to have that equality, that equity in the construction field, or are we going to be, and uh, this is going to be an ongoing issue, and is this an issue of capitalism or an issue of racism? Uh, so are we going to ever see some light, or what's the deal? Yes, yes. My my answer is, I believe the answer is yes, and I believe that it starts. You know, we we can do what we need to do on a federal level. Is, yes, on a federal we. level, it supersedes everything else until it floats down to you know city, county, and state. Uh, you however, project we would see this equal equal uh, equality in the construction field. When do you project that that will be to the point that we are? Not satisfied, but we are to the point that we are in parity based on our population. When do you project that that can happen? When we decide that we will be the masters of our trade and we will provide nothing but excellent services. When, are you doing, when do you project we're going to do that? I'm trying to get a date where these brothers on the corner can say in the year blah, 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 um, they have a choice if they want. When can that happen, or is that just a fly-in-the-sky question? No, I believe in our lifetime, Ron. I believe that it's people like you. Um, it's people like Mike that's on the call with us. It's people like Sonia Purdue. It's people like uh, Mrs. Calvin. I, I believe it's people like Cheryl Calvin. It's, it's people that have laid down their personal agenda and picked up a community agenda that will see to it that it happens. And I believe it's going to happen in our lifetime because if it ever was a time that African-American people should be able to utilize opportunity, it is today. Mm-hmm. Okay, in our lifetime. Okay, so, well, we were surprised about Barack Obama. I wasn't because, see, I knew he was going to run for president uh, of, of three years before he actually ran. However, I'm trying to get an uh, inside scoop on this construction field so that um, I can have some good satisfaction. Um, so as we move forward on the summit on um, March 26th, we have two elected officials to be president, I mean to be present, uh, Alderman Fioretti which, Mike, I believe you worked with him on many different things before. Mm-hmm. And then we have Alderman uh, Latasha Thomas. Both of them indicated that they will follow through on the 
uh, on the hearings and also in moving the parity legislation. And then there has been a host of other candidates. So um, what can we see happen after this summit opposed to what we're talking about now? What is going to happen next? And then taking into consideration the big picture, uh, Mike, that you're working on. Well, what would be I, next I, after I, like, I, I, see, I see the summit as a springboard. Uh, Anita, with with her organization, taking a lot of lead on this here. I, I would I would like to see coming out of the summit as a as a consensus, and and being able to have these politicians on record to be a champion to help us uh, de- define a implementation plan. So that's what I would hope to see out of this summit is that we can do a organized discussion, uh, and not so much on what has happened in the past, but what needs to happen to make this a reality and being able to start to putting together the blueprint for for reality and implementation. So that's what I, I, I envision. That's what I would like to see in the discussion. Okay, Ms. Anita, what you, what you see is going to be coming out of this summit uh, regarding the uh, construction uh, panel? I believe that we will be able to, number one, raise the consciousness of the people uh, that we do have a choice in the matter. That's number one. Uh, number two is uh, even without a parity law on the books, what I would like to see happen is I would like to see some of the discretionary funds that the senators and, and that the state reps and that even uh, the aldermen have in terms of their budget. I, I would like to see them begin to use some of those funds to actually help african American contractors be able to facilitate jobs that are in their area, jobs that they can do. And I'll I'll give you an example. Uh, I recommended one of the black contractors in the neighborhood to a meeting that I said, in fact, I told 10 or 15 people, but unfortunately, two showed up. (laughs) The two that showed up both got contracts. One got contracts for Homeland Security, which uh, they still work for. The other one received a contract from CETA. Uh, and, you know, the alderman has a lot of authority. They have discretionary funds. As you know, uh, Ron, they have the ability to be able to uh, steer who does the landscaping. Hundreds of thousands of dollars every single year. I would like to see African Americans begin to receive some of that money, whether there's a parity law on the books or not. That's called conscious, just moral consciousness. Give the people in your ward an opportunity. These are non-skilled monies that you can give people in your neighborhood, even if you paired them with other ethnic groups. But there's no way that we should drive down 63rd Street or 55th Street and see every tree that's going in the ground being planted by another ethnic group. That makes no sense. Even though, you know, know, the activity is happening here in Chicago, but uh, as we've been on this program here, uh, the it seems as though what's happening in Chicago or the disparity is happening in New York City, um, Atlanta City, San Diego, Oakland, California, um, Ben Harbor, uh, Michigan. 
it seems as though the contract issue is the same in Chicago as it is in every city around this country. So I do understand, uh, as you indicated earlier, going to the president regarding this issue, but I want to get to, is it racism or is it capitalism that the same problem here in Chicago is the same problem in San Diego, San Francisco, and all over the all over the uh, the country. How is that? Why is that? That not one black city has their equal parity of contracts, or even greater. Well, Ron, you've been around. You've been around a long time, Ron. And here again, I'm just saying it like it is. It's a big business in there, and it's a control issue in this here thing. Why do we continue to war individuals who are head of one department, they, they fail to meet their goals, and then they get transferred to the head of another department? Just look at, the, just look at how folks are getting rewarded for bad performance that are heading these departments. So in, 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 until we, I mean, we wake up and see that it's not even about what folks are saying out of their mouth because they're saying that's the flavor of the day. I don't want to get excited about this other thing, but historically, culturally, it is who controls the, the, the rules, controls the, 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 the golden geese. So until we are able, in my opinion, to look at where we need to look at holding our elected officials accountable and responsible, doing a report card on all these things that they're voting on, and being able to get uh, somebody in, in office that's going to represent our best interest. So from that standpoint of view, you can't, you, you can, we can come in with disparity legislations and, and so forth, but if they still got the same people that are running these things with no oversight, I don't think we're going to have as much of uh, an impact or success. Mm-hmm. Well, we're getting ready to make our closing remarks. Mike, that almost was one from you, but let me ask you um, – uh, with the, the parity legislation, as Mike indicate, upon getting such parity legislation or, or ordinance passed in the city council, which gives the aldermen contract procurement control over their $1.3 million that they uh, decide what's going to happen in their ward, is there a question of corruption? that the aldermen can be subject to where they are controlling who gets that money and does it have any bearing on, as you indicate, Mike, that um, a question of implementation based on a good legislation? Well, whatever you have, something like that. There's a lot of temptation, but I hear again, well, I don't have, I'm not going to profess to have the answer to that other than that has to be something that's well thought out in terms of putting the system in place for implement, from implementing. Because here again, if we just leave it totally up to the argument without having a process of inclusion, then it, it, it will have a tendency where the argument will give it to who they will want to give it to. Okay. So that's not necessarily saying that everybody in the, everybody in the community is going to expand opportunities. It still can be just the same old few that get it. So that, right. I think, has to be talked out. Mm-hmm. So, um, uh, Ms. Anissa, 
Where are you, lady? I'm right, I'm right here. Uh, again, I would say this. Coming well, out. In your closing remarks, before Sonia beat me up. Okay, my closing remarks is this. Coming out of the summit, I, I would like to see our elected officials that have discretionary funds begin to individually work parity now and not wait on a law. You have funding now that you can channel and you can direct in your discretionary budget. I would like no to state see the, re, I, no, I believe the state representatives and maybe state senators, but aldermen do not, or are you telling me that they do have discretionary funds other than the automatic uh, menu? Well, under the automatic menu, specifically what they control is sidewalk curves and landscaping. Yeah, but that's and still part of the automatic menu, or is it not? Yes, it is. Okay. That's specifically, so that that alone right there gives them the choice to make some discretionary choices. And I'm saying on whatever level you are, with whatever funding, authority, or power that you have, I'd like to see you start using parity right now. We did meet with uh, Representative Davis uh, maybe about a couple of months ago, and which I even did not know that the state representatives do have discretionary funds, Absolutely. not to the point that it comes from their bank account, but from the administration of the state of Illinois. So that is something that we are heading on. Um, we are getting ready. I have to say that I enjoyed both of you all being on the program. Uh, this here is an ongoing uh, matter of fact. After our summit, I would like to see if we can have both of you all come back to report exactly your interpretations of our elected officials at this summit and where we go from here. Because I believe that if this is done uh, on one little small part, it can be a model for these cities. And I believe, Mike, we did not go over all the initiatives that you are involved in and we need to do that as well. So with that, um, I want to thank you both for being on the program. Uh, matter of fact, are you all going to be with us tomorrow night at the reception? I plan on. Rough, rough. What? Yeah, I, I plan on being there. <laughs> okay. Well, I'll be looking for that, and, uh, yeah, it will be a nice evening. But, again, let's uh, move forward, and I definitely want to thank both of you all for being a part of this uh, Black Wall Street uh, process of sustaining and increasing black businesses. And, you know, uh, as chairman, uh, definitely give me some direction on what I can do to assist in the big picture that both of you all are doing as well. So, again, thank you for being on Chicago's Black Business Network uh, Black Wall Street, Chicago. And I want to thank yes, and I want to thank uh, Miss Arnita and uh, Mr. Mike Neal for joining us. Miss Arnita, would you tell our listeners what your show is before we close out? I sure will. It's uh, Miss Arnita speaks. It airs on fifteen seventy a.m. Uh, in fact, it will be coming up on Saturday morning at 9.15. Uh, Ms. Purdue, can I have just 30 seconds to make a little info commercial, please? Yes, ma'am. Okay. Uh, 
also, uh, for those of you, after you leave Black Wall Street, you can come down to 5536 South King Drive in Chicago, Illinois. Uh, we are having a fundraiser and a networking event to build capacity in the black community for African-American businesses. So please do join us, 5536 South King Drive, tomorrow after you leave Black Wall Street. God bless you, and thank you so much, Ms. Purdue, for having me on the show. I'd like to give out my number, if it's okay, which is 312-386-0802. If you have any questions or comments, you may call me. Thank you so much. You're listening to Black Wall Street USA. I'm Sonia Purdue, founder of Chicago's Black Business Network. Dot com and author of Black America, Asking Ourselves the Tough Questions. We were joined tonight with uh, our chairman of Black Wall Street Chicago, Mr. Ron Carter. We're looking forward to seeing you tomorrow evening at 449 East 35th Street for the reception and fundraiser uh, leading up to Economic Summit 15. And uh, if you have any questions, comments, want to RSVP, bring a cake, anything that you wish, come on over and join us, but do bring your best business presentation. We give everybody an opportunity to tell us what it is that they do, and you never, never, ever know who may be listening. We make some great connections over here on 35th Street. That's one thing we do at every event. Uh, also, want to remind you that Black Wall Street is having an evening community outreach meeting that's next Wednesday evening from 6 p.m. to 9 p.m. Is that too long for you, Ron? I know that uh, we normally can be here at 2 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> you know, Ron said it's a 24-hour operation. I asked him, do people call here all day and all night, and they do. And I think you answer the phone 24 hours, don't you, Ron? No. Oh, okay. Never mind. I won't put that out there there. <laughs> but we want, we're here every Thursday evening from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. right here on CBBN on Blog Talk Radio and uh, been here a year. Also, we want you to look forward to Mark S. Allen, who is a board member of Black Wall Street. He's going to have a show coming up next week, and we're going to be sure to announce that. Also, it's Mark's birthday tomorrow night, so we're going to be celebrating. So if you know Mark S. Allen... Come on over and celebrate his birthday also. you got two minutes, Ron. Well, the two minutes is, um, again, that this uh, construction uh, trade is a real sensitive issue. Uh, there is a new administration in City Hall. I did interview um, the uh, mayor-elect, uh, Rahm Emanuel, maybe about a month and a half ago. I did ask him the question, what type of mayor are you going to be? Are you going to be a boss? Are you going to be a noble? Are you going to be an accessible? Uh, what type of mayor are you going to be? His first response that I'm going to be open, I'm going to be fair, and I'm not going to have no label. Uh, well, I think that the black community have and is and was responsible for getting him elected. Um, we do have to look at the big picture to the point that how much our President Barack Obama played in his election. I believe that he has the, some of the same tools and some of the same measurements of campaigning resembles Barack Obama. And then we look at 
Rahm Emanuel was chief of staff. Now he's mayor. Then Mayor Daly's brother, Bill Daly, was side by side with Daly. Now he took Rahm Emanuel's place to become chief of staff of the president. So uh, one of our persons, uh, uh, Reuben Feller, say, let's connect the dots. Okay, let's see exactly you? where these dots fit and follow the money to A to Z. Well, here to hear the, the rest of that speech, you got you need to come over. <laughs> you need to come over here tomorrow evening and uh, engage Mr. Carter with his, with Black Wall Street agenda. He'll be waiting for you. This is Black Wall Street USA. Thank you for joining us today. Have a great evening. Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.